In this episode, you know, when my exit strategy hits, I want to look back and see that these guys have had the right training, the right equipment so that they could become successful down the road as well. Welcome. You're listening to the Collision Buzz podcast presented by Driven Brands, the largest automotive franchise organization in North America. I'm your host, Ron Zapatello, bringing over 25 years of collision repair experience. The Collision Buzz is a show that dives into the auto body repair industry in support of the independent body shop owner. Each episode features guest leaders and operators from all aspects of the collision repair industry to discuss the challenges, solutions, and insights that have helped them in their journey to success. Stay tuned each month for new episodes to come. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening today. I have recently returned from the SEMA show. What a great show. While I was out there, I noticed a theme of ADAS and electric vehicles. From the new tools and the products to the new vendors, entire brands and models that are out there, it's very clear that these electric vehicles will continue to have an impact on the collision industry, our industry. And with that in mind, I wanted to know a little bit more about being a certified shop for one of these manufacturers, Tesla. In my mind, the most popular and premier brand in the electric vehicles today And today, my guests are all part of the over 70-plus driven brand locations that are Tesla-certified shops. So let's start with Micah Elsom from Abra. Hi, my name is Micah Elsom. I'm with Yoder Family of Companies. We have two Abra locations in northern Colorado, one placed in Fort Collins. The other is our Tesla-certified location in Greeley. We are annually collective in sales right around $7 million. And been on the Tesla program since 2020. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. Jason Wong from Carstar US. Tell us a little bit about you. Hi, Ron. I have two locations, both of them in Northern California. We've been on the Tesla program, uh, I believe, a little bit over a year now. Our bigger store is in South San Francisco, and then we have a smaller store in San Jose. Uh, we're actually in the process of certifying the second store right now. Our annual sales, I think we're doing probably about $8 million, give and take. Between both stores, we roughly have a little bit over 50 employees at this point, I believe. Thanks, Jason. Also with us today from Fix Auto USA, Ernie Lagaracas. Tell us a little bit about your stores. Well, I've been here since 1986, and we're single location operation for the body shop. I have other facilities and sets of auto mechanic shop for trucks, semis, heavy equipment, and also automotive. The mechanical center, we've incorporated our calibration department there, so we have a full-time calibration tech. That subs our work from next door. So that's a little bit about me. Thanks, Ernie. We're going to look over the border to Carstar Canada, Brad Payne out of North Toronto. Tell us a little bit about your store. Glad to be inside for sure, eh? <laughs> We're a single store, just finishing up our first anniversary as a car star. And we literally just finished our Tesla integration like a week ago. So super fresh and super new. We've really embraced the EV technology here. Um, I, I got two Teslas myself. So we got a 13,000 square foot facility here. Everything we have is literally brand new. Our booth, the whole nine yards. Got a great group of guys, super experienced. We've been in the automotive business for about 30 years. It's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying this journey and uh, I'm super jazzed to be here with all, all these great operators. I just want to geek out on Jason for a second because when we were at the Car Star Conference, I saw Jason up on stage there and I'm like, yo, man, this guy has his stuff together. Am I ever going to be an operator like Jason yeah, Wong? You know, he, you will. God. <laughs> and you probably are. Well, we're here to talk about Tesla today and I, I really like to get to know a little bit more about what made you decide to do it in the first place and why get certified? I could start. This is Ernie. We were already kind of set up. You know, we have a few other OE certifications like Ford and Honda and Acura. And so we were pretty much there, right? And I was kind of tired of setting all the Teslas down the road. 
and we're starting to see more and more in the market, right? I mean, five years ago, there was a handful of them. Now I'm in the North Shore of Chicago and just a ton of Teslas in the area. And, you know, we're pretty DRP heavy here as well. And it just kind of opens up a new door. And I've only been at Tesla for, since April, but it seems like they're driving a lot of work to the door. And it wasn't a big stretch in equipment, but we updated some of our frame machines. But aside from that, it really isn't a big jump. So uh, that was one of my reasons for it. And diversify yourself from the OE, not OE, I'm sorry, DRP programs. You know, this kind of opens up the gap a little bit and uh, opened up other doors too. Since we've done Tesla, Rivian's come knocking on our door for the Amazon fleet. Awesome. Micah, Jason? Yeah, I'll jump in. I, I did have apprehensions. Uh, we're about 50 miles north of Denver and not having a metropolitan population up here that's into technology, things like that. I just didn't feel in the beginning that it would be something for us. But as I thought about it, where my mind changed was seeing all the EV and AI information that was starting to come through, whether it was Collision Week or Body Shop Business, some of the other places. And I was looking at the technology part of it, not just the car, because I felt like that if we got in front of that, that we wouldn't be left behind because it seemed like it was coming at us so quick. The first shop, the bigger store, we had some you know technicians that were nervous about it because they just hear about the cars. They don't know what's involved with them, but it's just a regular car with a lot of cool technology. And so that was the part where, you know, the physical aspect of it wasn't really that difficult to work on. They're not a difficult car. It's what you have to do in processes or when you're wrapping them up and you've got to run toolbox and some of these other things where it might get a little bit confusing. It just took some time to get used to. But the one thing that I'll I'll say to Ernie's point is it took one or two positive surveys and I had more Teslas than I needed. And I was getting them from everywhere. So we're 52 miles north of the closest Tesla repair facility. And now I've got a backlog of them to the point where we had to put a pause for about 30 days to keep up. So they're out there. They're actually a neat car to work on. I enjoy the technology. I mean, they it's almost like your iPhone. You know, your iOS is changing constantly. These cars do the same things. And people build them with all the functions inside them to accommodate to their personality. So there's, there's a lot of unique things about it, and it's been a good run for us to this point. I take a stab at an average in sales, but we're between the forty five to 60000 a month in Tesla work. That's awesome. Jason? My involvement and inquiry about Tesla came very differently. So I'm in Northern California. So my kids came home one day, and they take these classes at school, and they're, like, they're talking about EVs and what they do for the world and what carbon dioxide does in the world. So my daughter is six years old and she comes home and she says, Hey dad, you know, do you fix electric cars like Tesla's? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> then like during dinner time, it was like, Hey, you know, my wife got involved. My son got involved. He goes, Hey, you know, you should really inquire about them. You know, I mean, it goes on and on. Like there, my son's asking me questions like, Hey, don't you care about us in the future? You know? <laughs> so I, I reached out. I was more concerned about how they were building their infrastructure and supply chain issues and manufacturing, part supplies, how efficient they are, what am I going to be waiting for, how is Tesla going to be measured, how am I going to be measured, and that's how I got involved. You got guilted into it. That's awesome. And we have Brad over on Canada. You're fairly new to the program, so tell me... Why? Why did you decide to do it recently? Well, we're a pretty Porsche-heavy shop here, right? I mean, we do a lot of 9-11 stuff, and we do a lot of service and that whole thing, which kind of led us into the body arena. And then that led us into, you know, how do we future-proof our business? How do we ensure that we're still in this business in 10, 15 years? What's the long-term viability about it? And working on electric vehicles and focusing on that was actually a pretty easy decision. 
you know, I'd driven a lot of fast cars. Then I went down to the Tesla dealer and I drove a Model Y Performance. And honestly, I had never felt acceleration like that in any car in my entire life. Not to mention it took me from the dealer down the road, up the highway, around a ramp and brought me back. And my input was next to zero. As, as a gas head and as a gearhead, I'm like, this is like next level experience. I did not expect this whatsoever. And we had seen a shift as well in, you know, some of our customers buying Teslas, Model Xs, Model Ss, just from there. I mean, working with Tesla through integration and in, in the whole nine yards, it's just, you see the passion. Like they love what they do. They love their brand. They're passionate about what they're doing. And that just came through to us. And we were like, let's do it. So that brings a question, right? For those of you who have been on the program or at least seen some cars, how does this Tesla certification compare to some of these other OEs that are out there? I could speak to it because I've had Ford and Honda and Acura and Subaru. And without the dealer participation, you're not going to have a huge amount of success, right? I don't know how many Honda owners are going to the website and checking, you know, where should I fix my Honda? Some do, but not a lot. I've been finding Subaru does, though. There's kind of a cultural following in the Subaru web, which is really been well doing well for us. But it seems like Tesla, there's a finite amount of shops that are on the program. It takes a different caliber tech to work on these cars. <laughs> there's a lot of research that goes in front. You're spending a lot of time ordering. It is a basic car, but there's still a lot more research, I would say, that goes into writing the heavier complex hits. But it does get cars at the door, you know, and uh, it works well with some of our DRPs have cooperated with us, accommodating what we need to collect to substantiate the program. So there's definitely a different level of estimating that needs to be done, a lot more research involved, but it's been cool. For sure. I mean, the more that you do these cars, Teslas in particular, because there are particular processes, right? The more that you do them, the easier you're going to learn. It's just repetition, 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 right? Because they only make a few models. So it's not like you have to learn a line of 15 cars and all the ins and outs of that. You're wor really working on a few. You're right. It may be a culture shock to us because we've only been doing this since April. So it's always a new experience. But to what Micah said, the basic car. I probably got ahead of myself even with that verbiage because these guys are so used to working on them now. To your point, Ron, you know, a Model 3 to a few of these techs out here, they can just burn through them because they already know a lot of, well, we've done so many front end hits. And, you know, these riders, when they're looking at them, even they're doing the same module training as the technicians. So for them to get involved and see how the components go together and what they have to build structurally to make it sound and utilizing all the equipment that, you know, Tesla is asking us to use. It does take a little bit of time, but after they're used to these particular models, it, it does get easier. So tell me about your volume, Mike. Uh, yes, seeing a lot like of I mentioned before, I had apprehensions because of the demographic part of it. But the first one we got, we had a Model X come in. It wasn't a, a large repair. It was a bumper and a fender. I remember it because it was the first one. And it was a so everybody was around it, you know, moving the Falcon doors and checking it and trying to understand it until we figured out that <laughs> we need to put them in service mode because they're getting alerts on every Falcon door that opens up. <laughs> so they, they saw we were experimenting. <laughs> so, but, but after we had done that one, I think we had a couple more follow up, and the, so the first month was kind of light, and for us we did have to make some significant investment. So we put some capital into this thing because some of the equipment that we have was antiquated. So we had to upgrade a lot. And so right. my concern sure. was the ROI I was going to get out of this because I did it specifically for this account. You know, like, you know, I put all this money into this thing. Where's it at? Certainly enough, it did. Right. And I carry about 14 to 15 a month and have been wow. steadily for, uh, gosh, probably the last 18 months. That's where about where we're at too. You got to be careful not to get too many in. Yeah. And I don't know if what you guys are doing, if you're, we try writing all our drivables, we pre-write everything, right? And 
even if we have to do light disassembly, pre-write it, order everything, and then schedule. That's been very helpful to get our cycle time way up. So, you know, you, you talked about the equipment investment. You know, once you're invested, you know, like we say, EV's coming, right? Like it or not, you support it, you don't believe in it, whatever it is, it's coming. But yeah, it's you, you got to you know kind of make a plan, a path of which OEMs you may want to get involved with, because a lot of them are going to cross over with one another. So since we're on that topic, if you're a state of the art facility and have you know most of the updated equipment, your investments and in the tools and equipment end, it's not going to be that huge. I mean, am I correct in saying that? Uh, no, I think on the equipment side of it, equipment needs to be updated. Every other year, anyways, regardless, because the cars are changing. I don't know about you guys, but I spend I've been spending eighty five thousand dollars a year since I don't even remember what year that I didn't buy equipment anymore. You know, on the Tesla side of it, the requirements are not as much as what people think it is because most of the equipment. I mean, I'm not sure about the fixed side, you know, but the car star side, we already have already because we have to be gold anyways with a lot of the insurance partners that we have. So we add anything else on is the investment is not that big. Going back to like OEs, you know, I look at OEs where you need the literature to fix the cars. I mean, forget about what they can bring in the door, you know? The conversation I had with Tesla, it goes, hey, you know, Jason, you know, you can still buy parts, right? I'm like, look, dude, if you're not going to give me the literature to fix the car, I'm just not going to fix your cars. It's pretty easy, <laughs> you know? With cars coming in the door, at the end of the day, sometimes we just have to be careful what we wish for sometimes, guys, <laughs> because it actually might come true, <laughs> well, you know? You know, Jason had brought up something about investing. And when I, I talked about investing three, 400 grand, I agree with you. I've been investing a s- significant amount of money in the last, since 2014, let's say, right? <laughs> yeah. When I first started, my biggest worry was buying a MIG welder. You know, now right, it's like right. you know, spot welder. That's a big investment is what I'm saying. So I would start yeah. small. If you're right. not in either OEM programs, it may be a culture shock to you. Well, but sure. if you've been in 10 programs, it, you're right. The Tesla tools are 20 some thousand bucks, you know, 50 hours training yeah. for everyone involved. Not that bad. 50 hours so training, huh? Still is. Yeah, yeah, still we did it online. Yeah. I don't know. We were during COVID, so it was all online oh, okay. training. No, it's, it's, it's 50 yeah, hours, Ernie. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a lot. That's yeah. a lot of training. Mechanic, so everybody a lot. And estimators, parts guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is not so, just a couple people, guys. So it's, 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 let's it's, talk about that for a second. Because out of all the other training that I know, I know that there's some iCar training, definitely not 50 hours for some other programs, right? So 50 hours worth of training on the Tesla program sounds to me like they have kind of the program dialed in, they're giving you tools to fill your toolbox and be prepared for these vehicles. Is that what I'm gathering? You learn a lot about a pyro fuse. <laughs> and there's an awful lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a lot. <laughs> this kind of battery. Yeah, that's, uh, Mike, I, I say it all the time, so, brother. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. okay. It, it, honestly, you need it. I mean, that, that thing sometimes becomes the common denominator in the repair up front to even move the car sometimes, but, but it sticks out. And, and I'm sure there's a reason why they echo it you know, through each of these modules the way that they do. But yeah, the, the training in it, it's, you're, you're not going to skip and go to the test at the very end. I mean, you're going to be engaged with it and you're going to have to understand it. And, you know, sometimes it, 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 you know, I remember a couple of them being a little overwhelming. I took them myself just so I understood what the guys were looking at. And it starts to make sense once you, once you start seeing some of the things happen. I would say that the training that, that they provide to you, if you can focus on virtual training and be attentive and intentional on, on what they're trying to provide for you. So there's a lot of value in it. I thought it was good. I'm pretty fresh off that, that training. So, I mean, I had to do all the training cause I'm the guy in the shop that someone has to pretty much do it all. 
you know, I'm an automotive electrician is my, you know, back in the day trade. So I, I didn't find the learning curve personally that difficult on it. I, I think once you wrap your head around that, you know, this is a vehicle that's, you know, not exactly the same, but not entirely different than everything else. It's really not, in my opinion, super difficult. My body man, actually, he loves it. He's gotten a few apart. But really, I mean, there's not a whole lot more to it than there is doing anything else. And from a training standpoint, I thought it was really, really simple. I didn't think it was difficult or complicated at all. Let me tell you, we I got a frame man 25 years that's been using his old Chief Easy Liner. And uh, it was like dragging a guy from his baby, his yeah, candy. Sure. You know, he's like, what are you doing yeah, to me? Yeah. And now he's benching and pinning everything. And he's like, but. He's just, he loves it, right? So once you learn it, you're right. right. It's, uh, it's just a different way of looking at it. So depending on where you're from and your experience level dictates kind of how easy it is, right? So Brad, you're fairly new to the program. Tell me a little bit about how long did it take to complete this 50 hours of training and, and the whole onboarding process and all that? You know, I think 90 days is a realistic sort of a plan for everybody to be able to, to start with saying, yeah, let's get going on this to, you know, being at the completion of it. You know, the other thing too is, like I said earlier, we're trying to future-proof our shop. We had no interest in being your traditional in-and-out body shop, right? And that's why Tesla brings such tremendous value to us is because with our insurance partners and everybody else, being a certified shop, it's like, listen, here's the repair plan. And you might not like the way that this repair plan looks, but this is the way it's going to be because this is what Tesla's telling me, you know, the requirements are to fix this car. Not a whole lot of comeback on that. And I know I jumped off topic a, a little bit, but, you know, I think the power of that as a shop you know, to be able to say, we want to fix the cars correctly is something that a lot of body shops don't have the ability to do, to push back and say, this is the way it has to be done. But Tesla customers, in my experience, not just because I am a Tesla customer, are very understanding and very loyal customers. When you say, listen, here's the repair plan, and this is how long it's going to take. They're like, okay, well, let me know when everything comes in and, I, and I'd be glad to uh, to get back. The Tesla culture is amazing. I, I mean, when I picked up my car, I didn't talk to anybody, right? They're like, turn on the uh, the hazard lights and we'll come out and uh, and turn your car on. And that took me, I had to YouTube where to find the hazard lights, right? Because they're they're up. up, up <laughs> see, I know, I'm the only too. <laughs> God. But I'll never forget it, right? From that, from that, from that point forward. But what it was, was, was like, it was training me, you know, as a Tesla owner to, to think differently, from what I was used to as, as being an, an owner from other brands. But that's when it really clicked in my head as a, you know, as, as a person in, in the industry is, you know what, I really appreciated that what I thought I knew or what I, I've been used to, you know, is just was going to change. It was going to be a little bit different. So we were talking about certification and how much it cost. So let's speak on cost for a second. Let's go into that other part of it, which is the ROI, right? Tell me a little bit about that. How long did it take to see an ROI? What does it look like? We're two years in, and it's starting to get to the point where we're making up what we put into it. Okay. So, yeah, that investment's starting to turn. Okay, so in two years, you're seeing an ROI on it. Right. As far as volume, what, we were, what we've been able to do, we, we did succeed in getting a return, and it was right at the two-year mark. Okay. So you're gauging that by paying for your equipment and such. Right. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, I hear a lot of this ROI on, you know, I'm at meetings and guys are complaining that they're not going to get their money back on that frame machine for that. But you're preparing for the future, guys. Right. I mean, it's, Tesla's not the only car that requires this piece of equipment. So no. if, you, if you're going to only be in it for the next two, three years, I'd say probably not a great idea. But if you're in it for the long haul, you're going to get the investment back. Ernie's absolutely correct, IBM. One of the things that are coming to my mind right now is that how are you going to gauge buying a piece of equipment to fix a vehicle properly 
So something bad doesn't happen to someone's family. How much is that worth? Right. You know? So right. it's the liability. Oh yeah. The liability. I mean, it goes on and on. I think right now at the end of the day, I think we're here to provide a service and that should be our number one priority and buying equipment, updating equipment and having the right technology and having the right education. I mean, this is part of our job. But what I can say, though, going back to your question, I don't think I got my whole investment back with Tesla. But I can tell you, I definitely put a big dent on it the last six, seven, eight, nine months because, I mean, it's pretty incredible how big the volume is. But yeah, the volume is tremendous. The perspective on value with the service that you're providing and the liabilities that are involved, uh, you couldn't put a, a dollar to that. Equipment, yeah, okay, that's what we've done. But it's the investment, also not just the dollars, but the time that you put in. And for the main store, we'll actually start implementing some of the processes we put in place at the other shop because it did change the way we've structured our production. You know, because the cars, there are some complexities that are involved. So we have to know when the right time is to put some of these cars in. Some of them are very simple repairs. Some of them get a little more complex. And with that, it's changed the way that we move cars through the shop. And so I love it. It's, I love uh, where you're going you know, with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask a question. Kind of summarize that up. It sounds to me like, Jason, you're six, seven months in there. You're making a big dent in it. So it doesn't seem to be unrealistic. You're going to recoup your investment fairly quickly. Plus, there's tons of cars there, right? But traffic to the door is the big key. You're getting all that because Tesla is actually driving traffic to your door. So you're seeing some sort of instant return. How long is probably going to be different for everybody. But I think I like where you're going with the repair process. So let's talk about that. So obviously, there's differences in a normal repair process on an XYZ brand car and a Tesla. So let's talk about the process for a Tesla. Is it worse, better, harder, easier? Let's hear some thoughts on that. Well, I'd say in the beginning, it's it's a little bit of a, a nightmare I mean, <laughs> because you're you're like, all right, what do I got here? Because you don't know if you move one thing, what it's going to do to the next. And then you're still learning about, like I mentioned, put it in service mode and you know, all the different things that you have to do just to prepare it for production and to get it in. Then there's the the body support team that you have to get involved with. That's where a lot of your repair procedures are going to come from. You know, so you have all these different things available to you. So you're constantly utilizing those platforms to get what you need, depending on what area of the car you're working on. So it's like using, you know, getting all data involved. And that's this is where we've changed is because of all the different liabilities and what we've learned from Tesla and all the different things that could happen from one stage to the next. We're very cautious because the liability is always there on every repair, no matter what make now. So we're paying close attention, making sure that we have procedures in place for a lot of these vehicles. But Tesla did enhance my way of thinking and restructuring the production in, in this facility. You know, those all those repair procedures are important, right? You need that supporting documentation in place of repair, but also to, to help justify what we're doing. Yeah. Right. So it's a new type of vehicle. So we're all learning, right? You're talking about a complete change in process from even the front before you even touch the car and pulling procedures all the way down the line. So I think you used a different word, use cautious. And I, I think I changed that to being more thorough, right? You're building a plan that's bulletproof and pulling every single line of what's needed, how you're doing it. It's not the typical thought process, just grab the keys and get the car in and that sort of thing, right? You have a whole different mindset with this. Uh, you're absolutely correct. Um, even the check-in process, right? And we talked about service mode and battery maintenance. You know, these are all little things we learn as we go. 
We started in the early June in Chicago. We were had like 95 degree weather. The car came in with 60% battery. And by the end of the next day, it was down to like 28% because these cars are consuming battery power just to cool themselves. There's a lot that goes on, right? So you're right. Setting up an SOP just for your electric vehicles is definitely important. Safety, handling it, pre-scanning them. You know, there's a lot of things you've got to learn even outside of your Tesla training because they can't give you everything. When I was at the the FIX conference, ICAR, they have their whole new electric vehicle division. And the gentleman was talking about battery concussions. Well, that kind of blew my mind. You can have a residual problem six weeks later. And one last thing I'll mention the training, (laughs) all the tools they send you. I mean, you know, when you put some of these rivets, you need to recess the rivet, right, to dimple in the area. I didn't even realize we had the reset tool. You know, I had my head frame in the other day. We're looking through. It's like, oh, I need this, you know. So you got to learn everything they send you to, guys. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's just sitting there. I think they could have done, for me personally, a little better side on the, what they send you and what it does. Oh, you, as far as tooling goes, you mean? Yeah, just, you know, I, you try looking up the tools and it just tells you, you know, I don't need training on how to pull a lug nut cover no. off. You know, it looks like a little yeah. ice tongs, right? But there's a lot of specialty tools in there that you just don't know. 120 pieces. Right. 120, you say? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I put it all in like with the foam inserts. I kind of lean process, put names on it. It looks really cool, you know, but uh, you got to know what it means, right? So Yeah, exactly. Ernie's absolutely right. I mean, same as Micah, the SOPs absolutely change. So I still run my bigger store every single day. Uh, so I run the production. I break them. I do segmented labor. Uh, what I've noticed is that a lot of the procedures that are required for gas vehicles, I don't have to use them for electric for EVs, or well, Teslas anyways, you know? It's really strange because fixing a Tesla, it breaks a lot of the rules that I've learned in the last 25, 30 years of how to repair a vehicle. So right now, my average age of my Tesla technicians, they're like 25 to 28 years old. But these guys rock it though, you know? They understand it. They understand the structural portion of it. They look at my other ATECs in the shop that are like 55 years old, like, hey, you know, one of these days you're not going to have a job anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. So thinking about that, right, Jason, you had two stores. I know, Amber, you were talking, you had a couple stores. You guys are MSO. So when you're on one program at one store, is it easier or harder or the same to get that second location on? I know, Jason, you said you were onboarding a second location, right? <sighs> That's a really good question. So... I think that it's really important that I hire right. When you take all the Tesla classes, they split all the classes up and they're pretty specific about those classes. You know, you have an estimator, you have a shop manager, you have a parts person, and it goes on and on and on. And as long as I think you have the right people taking the right classes and doing the right job, I think the chances of being successful will be higher. You know, if I had a choice, I would just work on Teslas. It's not because, you know, I'm here to like really push Tesla and I love them to death. But some of the technologies that Tesla has, you know, it's amazing because it's already there already. Where we're talking about SOPs on other vehicles, the procedures are extended because their cars don't self-calibrate. Tesla self-calibrates, you know, so it cuts the procedures down tremendously. And right now... This is probably the busiest time I've ever experienced in my whole entire career. And and it's probably the most challenging time. So if we take that big volume and we're able to take out procedures because they don't need them, and you times that by X X amount of days that we're open times the hours, I mean, just a little bit just kind of gives any of me some breathing room where, hey, at least we know it has a possibility of leaving, you know? So I mean, it takes a lot of the unknown out of the way, which is great. So let's add to that. Tesla is not the only EV manufacturer out there. Ernie, you hit on another one that you were working with. Do you guys 
plan on adding other EV certifications or other certifications along with that since now you've found that they're more of an approachable car? Yeah, I am. I'm looking at the Rivian and I'm just looking at right now, we're just talking about the fleet division of theirs. But don't forget Ford. I don't any of the guys on the Ford program. But we do the Mach-E's, Pure Electric. We just got a Walmart transit van that's Pure Electric. So they're there, you know, so that's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's coming here, like it or not. It's pretty much the same concepts, right? So, yeah, I, I think exactly what you said. I mean, there, you, you've got the Rivian out there, uh, fleet vehicles and regular vehicles now, right? Lucid's coming out, Ford, Toyota's in a hybrid sense of it. You've got all kinds of them coming on, on board, right? Anybody else thinking about future state? Yeah, we'll likely go that direction. This is why we did Tesla in the first place was to get behind EV and AI. In the beginning, it, it was more of an intimidating thing just because we didn't really understand what it was about. But now that we're in them and we see it, there's you know it, it's something that I, I think that you have to pursue at this point. Otherwise, you're behind the eight ball. I, I wouldn't be opposed to taking more of any of that in. You know, I just I think if you're not staying with technology, you're going to get left behind fairly quick. And it changes so quick. I mean, we've seen a big turn over the last you know four or five years. We, we took the step in. And we've followed it, we've learned it, and we're understanding it. We're learning more and more each day about them. And so now it's not a fear of, okay, let's get the next EV in and figure this out. We're comfortable now. You know, on that topic of other EVs, I just was wondering, you know, like, do you think that, you know, Tesla's got like, well, 4 million cars on the road. And I think that brings a certain level of comfort to us as an operator, you know, as someone on the program where, you know, that infrastructure for parts is there, that technical infrastructure is all there. And you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but no other EV manufacturer out there is really pushing that culture and that customer centric sort of experience like like Tesla is like I remember my first time going to a Tesla dealership and they're like yo come check out the car it's really cool like super approachable group of guys and I was at another like bigger faster more expensive startup kind of EV brand and, and they didn't want to talk to me they weren't super interested in being that so Tesla's bringing customers to your front door like what other OE cert program do you guys have where literally they turned on the app and every Tesla owner is like sitting there holding their hands and say, I'm going to call Ernie, I'm going to call Jason, I'm going to call Micah. If you guys can tell me of another one, I'd love to hear who they are because to me, that's like, that's tremendous. That's just crazy. I agree, Brad. That's why, you know, early in the podcast, I said, if you want to diversify away from some of the DRP centric programs you're in or it helps. Once so. you're turned on, like like Jason said, you be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> if I'm paying all this money to get on these programs, they better drive something to my door. Whoa. Tesla does. So given given our good conversation here, none of you regret your decision for getting on the program, right? No, not at no, all. Absolutely not. No. Not and would all. you all say you you would recommend it to other shops as well? Absolutely. Anybody who's prepared for it, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Good statement. Yeah. If you've yeah. done your homework in the background and you've been prepared for it, I think it's a great program. Yeah. What what does that shop look like? What does it mean to be prepared for Tesla program? Uh, I think it goes back to what we said earlier. You know, when I said you need, you know, two hundred grand in equipment and you know Jason brought up a good point. If you've been investing in your center for the last 10 years and keeping up to date on your equipment, it may not be a big culture shock to the facility. And if all your techs are in their 50s and not 25, you know, it, it's a big mix. So you prepare as, that's what it means to me. Um, then you won't have that big of a culture shock in your facility for investing. That's my perspective. So so culture and, and somewhat investment in equipment, if you're not already up to date and haven't been investing in it throughout your career or your shop career, right? And also, I would add, preparing your teams for it and letting them know that it's kind of, it's not a bomb you want to drop on people. Having them understand the, the reason behind it and you know what's the purpose in doing this. Is it just to get an exclusive account 
because of a popular brand? Or are we doing this for the livelihoods of the people that are there at your facility? They're working and you want to prepare them for what's out there. Because when I, you know, when my exit strategy hits, I want to look back and see that these guys have had the right training, the right equipment so that they can become successful down the road as well. Roger that. Absolutely, I agree. Micah. As I agree. Very yeah, well put, uh, Micah. So we know that Driven Brands has this great relationship with Tesla, right? So in your guys' experience, is there any opportunities or, or challenges that, that can be you know helped or changed? Uh, streamlined parts for me would be helpful if we could have that conversation. Maybe we should have a roundtable with Tesla okay. and brainstorm some ideas. Literally, you know, how can we make it a little smoother, a little more efficient? Yeah. Um, so... Parts are challenged though. Come to the table with a solution, right? Yeah, exactly. I got I got some thoughts. We had a CSI challenge, you know, some months ago. The outcome of that was that we staged a call every couple of weeks with Tesla just to talk to them and find out where we could help them and how they could help us. And so there was a good mutual conversation that happened. It was nothing but diplomacy he had. So through those conversations and those meetings, it did help us and we were able to give them some feedback too on some things. So that might be a thing, whether it's a once a month call or once a quarter call that you share with them. And I think that you get a lot of value out of it. Good food for thought. And I guess my, I guess my final thought would be is, you know, given that excellent relationship with Tesla and driven brands and with everything that you four have said here today, why wouldn't you want to be a Tesla survey shop? Right? So If you guys are interested that are listening out there, please, please reach out to your field performance manager. And thank you guys for joining me on this. It was really informational. Thank you to all of you out there for listening. And thank you again to all my guests. Make it a great day. Thanks, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Ron. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, fellas. You're listening to the Collision Buzz podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Facebook to connect with today's guests, engage in the community, and let us know what else you'd like to hear on upcoming episodes. 